Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. That message with us. Uh, We just, uh, the wonders of technology, we just received a text from Russell Cleveland, who is also a Gideon in the camp, and he said, thank goodness, thank God, uh, Gideons are in Johannesburg, where they've landed, and uh, all the luggage is there, and uh, my daughter Sharon just received a text from him uh, telling us uh, that uh, that they are there, and also that the Bibles and all uh, that the Gideons are uh, at work uh, there. Thank you, Jerry, again for that message. Thank you, Gerald, for he- being here to hold Jerry's arms up. And uh, I-, I told him in the first service this morning, uh, Jerry Anglin is, uh, is an enthusiastic uh, messenger of God, but he was one of the most annoying basketball players I've ever seen in my life. He was younger and he was smaller, but he was like a Georgia gnat, South Georgia gnat. You've seen those that just won't go away. They just keep coming. And uh, he sure did interrupt some good scoring in the past. Well, surprise, surprise, here I am <laughs> substituting again. And I've substituted so many times in the last two or three years. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? I wouldn't go to a hanging for my life. Think about that. That's a time joke for some of you of this modern modern age. Before I share the message with you, I want to report to you that Marion and I are surviving retirement. In fact, we highly recommend it. We're having more fun than, than you could ever imagine. Uh, I'm excited about the continuing uh, future of Rosemont. It's the real deal. And by the way, uh, we have 51 missionaries out on the field today, as Stacey's already mentioned that, prayed for them. That's great. And uh, Adam uh, wishes you the very best and uh, hope you have a a good uh, spring holiday. I'm questioning, what are you doing here? I thought you would be with the rest of the group raising the populace of Panama City or Destin. I bet y'all didn't know I was going to be preaching, did you? <laughs> you probably found a way to, to get out of Panama City, wouldn't you? Uh, I got uh, three, three Sundays from now will be Easter Sunday. And Stacy was talking to you about preparing for uh, preparing for Easter. Uh, you you need to do that now seriously. Focus in on Easter. That is the grandest day in all of human history. Uh, when Jesus Christ did something that no other being could ever do, and that was that he went to a cross. And bore the sins of a world multiple times into his own body. Paid a price that we could not pay. They put him in the ground. The ground wouldn't hold him. Because if you own the ground and you're the creator of the ground, 
You're the creator, not the createe. And he rose again. That's what we're going to be celebrating. I hope you'll make every effort to be there. Bring somebody with you. And we are there at Troop High School Fine Arts because uh, we just can't uh, take care of all that. That's the largest attendance all year long. And it is an awesome opportunity. Not complaining about that. It's an awesome opportunity to be able to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the redeeming power of our Savior with those folks. So hope you'll be there. Now, if any of you are available on April the 10th, uh, that's on a Thursday, the second Thursday in, uh, in April, we're going to, uh, as Oasis, we're going to show at noontime uh, the cross, Billy Graham's uh, message of the cross. And uh, we invite you to just come and be a part of that. Uh, it, it, it really, really will prep your heart for, uh, for Easter. So with that said, we just please bow with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the next few minutes, uh, we, we, we are assigned the, uh, the calling and the task of sharing hope with some hopeless soul and sharing excitement with uh, your redeemed and offering a, an opportunity uh, of service for uh, those that you have redeemed and molded and shaped for your service. And I thank you for the blessed message. Now, Lord, I pray that you would do as you've always done and always promised to do, exceedingly abundantly above anything that I've ever asked you in Jesus' precious name. God's people said, Amen. Now, if you, uh, if you will, please, I'm going to share with you uh, Mark, the 10th chapter, the 13th through the 16th verses. A pastor has been sharing with us uh, a world upside down. And I believe 11 weeks he's preached on the, uh, on the Beatitudes and how we can live in a world upside down. And maybe how we can turn the upside down world right side up in our own personal lives and those around us. Now, just following that, Jesus uh, is talking to people and ministering to people. And, and in the 10th chapter, the 13th verse, we pick up and he says, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and he said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to those, to such as these. And truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his, in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. I had a completely different sermon in mind. And then I got to rummaging through some of my, uh, my notes. And uh, some of my favorite and greatest blessings has been sharing with children. 
And I found in my notes, I ran across some nuggets that I had accumulated through the years and wisdom from little children. Uh, Brendan, at age eight, said, never trust a dog to watch your food. That's wisdom. And Stevie, at age 11, said, when your dad is mad and asks you, do I look stupid, don't answer. (laughs) Caroline, age 11, said, when your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. (laughs) Chris, at the age of nine, said, a puppy always has bad breath, even though he's been eating Tic Tacs. Lauren, age nine, said felt tip markers are not good to use as lipstick. <laughs> Lydia, when you get a bad grade in school, show it to your mom when she's on the phone. <laughs> Joel, at age 10, said don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. <laughs> but my favorite was from Eileen, age eight, who said, Never try to baptize a cat. (laughs) I love kids. I have always loved kids. I I walk around the church here and I see uh, teenagers and adults that once were kids here in the ministry. And I I just remember so many times the hugs. And the kids walk around all, uh, all during Sunday looking at nothing but kneecaps, you know, when they're growing up. But, and that's why I always made it a, as much as possible uh, the opportunity to get on the floor where they could see me eyeball to eyeball. I would still do that, but I'd probably need somebody to help me get up. Uh, it's a, in fact, one of my greatest uh, blessings, I guess I would say, greatest pleasure in my ministry was uh, teaching and preaching uh, to your children. And uh, they're eager to learn, I'm telling you. Uh, they are trusting. They know how to play, color, do crafts. They, they fun. They're, they're just fun to be around. And I know those of you that have had experience in teaching and so forth uh, of children know that many times that it's hard to get their attention but they discovered multitasking a long, long time before we have in these recent, recent decades. Uh, they can learn more while they are doing something else than we can learn today on purpose. Uh, so uh, it, it's always a pleasure when I speak to children. I go to schools or wherever, and um, it was without fail. I struck gold every time that I had an opportunity to speak to kids because they are, they are trusting and they haven't put up all of their guards yet. And the, it's, it's really always been my greatest return on investment of my time and, my, and the word is with children. I want you to know that. Let me tell you why. Child Evangelism Fellowship estimates that 85% of all Christians accepted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior before they were 21 years of age. 
May I say that to you again? You'll write it down. There's not many things that I say to you that's worth writing down, but this is worth writing down as a reminder. 85% of all Christians made their profession of faith in Jesus Christ before they were age 21. Now, Christ, Christ is good in the hearts and lives of boys and girls as they grow into uh, to adulthood. And then, uh, the, the red, what, you, what about the, the other 15%? Well, most of them had seeds planted in their lives when they were children. Now, let me say something to you. I, I have no idea who some of you are out there, but I would, I would say to you, if you were saved after age 21, you are a miracle. You are a miracle. We come into life and we are bombarded from the earliest cartoons on TV to the grossest movies on our TVs in, 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 uh, in our society. We are disenfranchised with Christ and the church. Very little is ever said that is spiritually inclined on the television or the media that you read today. Very, very little. So what I'm saying to you, the only place... The dominant place that you will get the message of the Lord Jesus Christ is in the church. And when the church has the opportunity of ministering to children, it needs to seize that opportunity. So I've always found it a little bit bizarre that the disciples would get so upset when the children were trying to come to Jesus. And when Jesus saw that, he immediately stops and said, wait a minute, stop. Let the little children come unto me. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them. And what he was really saying, what he was really saying is that he was really passing to them life and life abundant. Mark 10, 13 again says, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him to touch them. But the disciples rebuked them, rebuked them. And when you ponder this, uh, were these this mean old grouchy uh, disciples? No, they were not. But they, they just did not understand. And people still through the centuries have failed to understand where the real cream of the crop in evangelism is. And that is with the children. Statistics bear out the fact, and I just shared them with you, 85% of all Christians today came to know Christ before they were age 21. Listen, I think what was happening is the disciples were targeting a group. Now, if you're going to start something new 
And they were launching the church. They didn't really know what the church was all about. But they were launching a movement. And to launch a movement, uh, as they deemed it, it was going to take a lot of adults. Many of them with uh, deep pockets. Uh, people that could help them and uh, to develop this thing that was about to happen. They just didn't understand. And I'm afraid that that comes to the society in which we're living today. I think churches many times are, are failing to focus on what is really, really the responsibility and the task and the calling and what is really the focus of that, uh, that ministry. When I think about uh, leading a church fellowship, when I think about the directing the vision of a church, I, I, I want to I do it like Jesus did. Uh, that, it, it's not all made up of mortar. It, it's not all made up of organization. In fact, the church is in the hearts and lives of men and women walking all over this world today. The church is in China in the hunger that they are experiencing. If you haven't read about what's happening in China, you need to be informed about that. There are, that is the greatest hot seat for Christianity in all of the world today. Listen, I literally saw a film where uh, preachers, they were just begging for preachers to come and to preach the gospel. And, and the one guy was saying to the, to the congregation, uh, how long do you want me to, how long do you want me to preach? Just start preaching and they will be here. We don't care whether you preach an hour, two hours, three hours. Somebody else is going to come in behind you. Churches that are preaching the gospel 24 hours a day. And, and, just, and the preacher can stay there and preach as long as and the people are there. They are hungry. They are saying, feed us. Watch China. Uh, one of these days, if America doesn't wake up, they're going to be sending missionaries to us to hear the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus was indignant with the fact that they, they had excluded the children. In fact, children are so important to God that he has assigned angels to them. Did you know that? Look with me, if you will, to uh, Matthew, the 18th chapter, the 10th verse. I think I gave you that. Watch that you, that you don't uh, treat a single one, okay, that's it, uh, that you don't treat a single one of these childlike believers arrogantly. Now, this is from the message. Uh, it's an idiomatic translation there, but I think it says it just exactly like we need to hear it. You realize, don't you, that their personal angels are constantly in touch with my Father in heaven. Children are important. And I don't know, uh, and I, I pause to say, it, it's, 
it has bothered me through the years. And maybe I had not made enough emphasis upon it. And maybe sometimes I made so much emphasis upon it that, that you did maybe turn people off, say, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But it really astounds me that children are our greatest opportunities of evangelism. And, the, and a special assignment to share with them the Word of God. And yet, we have to constantly ask people to, to teach or to fill a place. I wish you'd catch the vision. Don't just fill a place. Catch the vision that if you will take the Word of God with children... And share it with children. It sinks in. They're, they're like sponges. They haven't built all of their walls and resentments yet. And it gives them something to hold to when the challenges come in school. And the greatest return on your time and your efforts related to your spiritual walk is to invest it in children. I uh, walked out of Ideal Cleaners one day. I think I may have told you this in the past. But some of you haven't heard. I walked into Ideal Cleaners and a, a young woman walked out facing me. She said, Preacher Max. said, you, don't, you probably don't remember me. Because I came when, when y'all were doing Say Yes. I was just a, a little girl. But I came and I heard the word and saw got the direction and the focus, and she said, I didn't have a very good growing up background. I didn't have much spirituality there. But when I went off to college, I remembered what I had learned, and I remembered the cautions, and I, returned, I remembered the things that y'all had shared with me. And said, I did good all the way through college, it helped me to pick a, a good husband. We have two children, and we're sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ. She said, and I just wanted to thank you. Now, I didn't have a thing in the world to do with that. Most of the time, I was standing over there peeping through the door, seeing what was going on. Somebody else was doing it. Somebody else was teaching. Somebody else was singing. Somebody else was sharing. But that's the greatest investment in the world. That's the greatest compliment that could be made to anyone. Now, children are important. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Targeting ministries is, is not all bad. They, were, they are, the scripture says, watch that you don't treat a single one of these childlike believers arrogantly. You recognize, you realize, don't you, that their personal angels are constantly in touch with God. Now, this sort of ministry was foreign to uh, the religious leaders of that time. Jesus 
was actually creating a ministry that sought after anyone who needed redeeming. And every aspect of our ministry should reflect that very fact. Jesus himself not only touched the children, but he was, he was going to the tax collector's homes. He was uh, conversation with the prostitutes. He was touching those that were lame and broken. Those that were lying and liars and thieves. These were the ones that, uh, that Jesus was also touching. In fact, the, it sort of irked the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he said, these are, are sinful folks. Um, and they, they're really not acceptable. And they were criticizing Jesus because of his, his reaching to sinful folks. Children teach us a whole lot about uh, the conditions of adults. Uh, if you'll watch children, they will teach you righteousness. Children see the world in, in terms of black and white. When you're teaching them, the children know, understand right from wrong. They're not like people who have been exposed to all that Americans are exposed to in growing up, where everything becomes sort of a dull gray. Children know it intuitively because they are little, they are fragile, they are easy hurt, and they need to be protected and need to be given the best of guidance. They teach us righteousness. They teach us humility. Even though they're little people, they have no reputation to, uh, uh, to defend. They have no experiences to brag on. So as a rule, they aren't generally uh, filled with a false pride. They are receptive. I told them in the first service about Sunday school and the uh, uh, in a, when I was a young boy, my, my teacher at that time was a, a gentleman that was a loom mechanic. And his hands were uh, pretty greasy at times. And, uh, and he didn't have anything but old lava soap or lye soap or something to clean them. It just didn't, uh, men didn't go to the... Uh, to get a manicure or pedicure those days. But I remember so well that uh, we boys, uh, when we got through with assembly, we would run back to that 10, 11-year-old class and to see who could get in there and sit beside Vince Reese as he would open the Bible. And he would begin to tell us the story. I, I guess I was 10, 11 years old, and I remember so very well not only his greasy fingernails, but the words of love and compassion and kindness 
and how he loved God and he loved sharing the message. They'll teach us about faith. Children teach us about faith. The scripture says to us in Hebrews, without faith it's impossible to please God. I tell you, you ought to be teaching kids and watch their eyes glow as they understand the truth and the powers of God Almighty. You know, there are so many, many experiences that I have, uh, have uh, had through the years. And there, there's hope that's brought by God to, to people of every walk of life. You may just be as congenial a person as you can possibly be. You may not have picked up on any of the vices that uh, our society promotes and, and has. But I want to tell you, you still need Jesus. Jesus' focus group is everybody that needs redemption. I want to, to close with a, with a thought personal here. When I, when I think about what other people need... And I survey of what I hear and I see. And then I take a personal look at myself. And I say, it, it is awesome. And the most awesome thing in my life is that God saw who I am, what I have done, what I do, and what I do not do. And he still loves me. Loves me to the point that he sacrificed upon Calvary's tree for my salvation. Through the years, as Billy Graham has preached in Crusades, uh, just before he preached, or just after he preached, uh, according to the mood, George Beverly Shea, who was one of the most timid individuals, George Beverly Shea never said anything. If you ever watched and seen and heard George Beverly Shea uh, sing at, uh, at these big conventions and so forth and in the stadium, you never heard him say a word. He was just too timid. But he could open his mouth and he could sing and he could sing the gospel into your heart. Here's one of the songs that always touched me when he, when he sang because I knew that it applied to so many hearts and lives. He would be stand and he would begin to sing. There's the wonder of sunset in evening. The wonder of sunrise I see. But the wonder of wonders that thrills my soul is the wonder that Jesus loves me. Oh, the wonder of it all. Oh, the wonder of it all. Just to think that God loves me. Oh, the wonder of it all. Oh, the wonder of it all. Just to think that God loves me. We are his children, the sheep of his pasture. And he loves us 
beyond explanation. He loves us to the extent that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but should come to everlasting life. Will you please bow with me all over this conference? Heavenly Father, I pray that your word has penetrated the heart and mind of each and every person here this morning. Oh, it's so important, Lord, that people understand that you love them. You love them as little children. And you love them and you desire to hold them in your arms to bless them. Give them not only new life, but the assurance of eternity. So, Heavenly Father, I want you to do what only you can do through the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. I want you to touch each and every heart here this morning for some special good. I want you to move them, Lord, to dedicate them, their lives to come to you, to select them for service, to give them the strength and the unction to share their faith, whatever their need. You touch them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You please stand where you are. You come and make the decision that the Lord has laid upon your heart. You come and you use the, the altar here any way that the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. You come. It's your time. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.